Happy 4th of July and welcome to another edition of Defenders of the Bank with Philly and The Scarf. We are calling this episode Kansas City Barbecue. Yes, Kansas City Barbecue. Why? Because we smoked SKC like a brisket. More on that later. Yeah. Now, on the last episode of Defenders of the Bank, we introduced a new segment called Scheduling with the Scarf. So many games, so few days. But we're going to introduce you to a new segment called History with the Scarf. And I don't mean this day in LAFC history. Today, in honor of the 4th of July holiday, we're going to do and introduce the History with the Scarf segment. So, Scarf, without further ado, why don't you educate our listeners on the meaning and the impact of today? Look, here's a little bit of history on Independence Day. First, happy 243rd birthday to the United States of America. And look, whether or not you agree with the current administration and their policies and everything else, let's just agree that at least everything that led up to this current presidency has helped out for this nation being one of the greatest nations on God's green earth, and we are happy to celebrate its 243rd birthday on the 4th of July. Kind of an ironic twist, though, if you've ever thought about it. The only time that we ever refer to the date in the British way, where they like to say, oh, the 3rd of September or the 7th of April, the only time we ever do that is on our nation's independence from Great Britain. We call it the 4th of July. We don't call it July 4th. We don't go around wishing each other happy Independence Day. We all say, myself included, happy 4th of July. So a big thank you to our nation's forefathers, obviously, the first president of the United States, George Washington. Look, here's the beauty of it. On July 4th, 1776, the Continental Congress declared that finally the 13 American colonies were no longer subject to or subordinate under the monarchy of Britain and King George. A lot of people don't know that we actually declared our independence, or at least voted to declare our independence on the 2nd of July, but it wasn't actually formally announced until July 4th. So look, we all know that Independence Day is commonly associated with barbecues and drinking and baseball and drinking and America and drinking and going to the beach and drinking. Yeah. So we just want to wish everybody out there a very, very happy Fourth of July. Look, if you don't celebrate American Independence Day, you can at least celebrate with Americans celebrating American Independence Day. We hope that you guys have a very happy and, of course, safe Fourth of July. One last quick thing. If you guys ever happen to see a license plate from Washington, D.C., Washington, D.C. has a little bit of a different license plate than the 50 states in the United States. See, what we broke away from, at least one of the reasons that we broke away from King George was that we were being taxed without being represented in parliament. Thus the phrase, no taxation without Without representation. representation. That's right. Sounds like a hip-hop song. But the motto of the Washington, D.C. license plates is taxation without representation because those who live in Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia, do not 
have representation in the U.S. House of Representatives. Therefore, they are the only citizens in our nation that are being taxed without being represented. Pretty interesting. And that was a little bit of history with the scarf. So interesting. So what you're saying is a bunch of rich aristocrats didn't want to pay taxes, hence that's why we broke apart from England? Yes, that's one of the reasons anyway. We also wanted to worship without, you know, different rules and everything. We wanted to find our own place in the new world, and we really didn't like King George all that much anyway. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Fair enough. Thank you. That was a newly introduced segment of History with the Scarf. On today's episode, we will give you the following. This day in LAFC history. We'll give you the match recap versus Sporting Kansas City. And of course, we're going to give you some updates regarding to the July 6th tailgate. But without further ado, Scarfy, let's lead the listeners into this day in LAFC history. That's right. This day in LAFC history. We are recording this at 10 o'clock on a beautiful Wednesday evening, July the 3rd. We are not recording from the world-famous Philomonster Studios in Burbank, California. <laughs> We are actually recording from the home of Scarfat from LAFC Nina. And if you are not following her on Instagram, at LAFC Nina is how to follow her on Instagram. We are recording from the home of Nina. We would like to say a big thank you, by the way, to the Kiefer family for hosting us in this wonderful episode that we are recording. thank you for the maker's mark. Yeah, there you go. This you episode... are fueling Philly without even realizing it. <laughs> Sponsored by Maker's Mark for Philly, for sure. But hey, that FCFC's said, got the Hennessy sponsor. We might as well have the Maker's Mark. I'm kind of jealous about that. And That's the Golden great. Road, according that's to right. what you're drinking. Uh, melon cart watermelon wheat ale with honeydew and cantaloupe. Truthfully, that's a shout-out to InBev. Boo. Monopolization of beer without representation. Time out, but it's good beer. It is good beer. Okay, moving on. So, again, it is July the 3rd. A couple of things that I want to talk about in this day in LAFC history. If you haven't been checking LAFC's website, LAFC.com, or their Twitter at LAFC, make sure you do because LAFC just announced yesterday on July 2nd that July is their month of giving. There will be five events and several volunteer opportunities throughout the Los Angeles area, one of them being next Sunday, Tyler Miller hosting his second annual beach soccer tournament and fundraiser in Santa Monica, and the fundraiser benefits the Austin Everett Foundation to fight childhood cancer. And if you've gotten to see the little video of me and the scarf launch and everything, and if you know anything about Tyler Miller and his family, they have definitely been affected by cancer as well. So look, if, even if you are not going to play beach soccer with Tyler Miller on the 14th of July next week, please go support the fundraiser, go donate to the cause. It is an incredible foundation, the Austin Everett Foundation to fight childhood cancer. So please take a look at that. That was announced yesterday, July 2nd. Again, five events and several volunteer opportunities and drives throughout the Los Angeles area. But today, July 3rd, a very, very, very happy birthday, born July 3rd, 1988, to Rodolfo Fito Zelaya. That is right. Happy birthday to Fito. We're going to talk about how he chose to celebrate his birthday, obviously, a little bit later on in the podcast. Also, on July 3rd, this time in 2018, on this day in LAFC history, LAFC gave up two late goals at Houston to tie the Dynamo 
two to two. Latif Blessing and Mark Anthony K both giving us goals. Latif in the fifth minute, Mark Anthony K in the 72nd. But we gave up goals in stoppage time, 90 plus four and 90 plus six minutes. We're talking about deep into stoppage time to leave two of three points on the field. Also on July 3rd, 2018, by the way, Adama Diamande was named MLS Player of the Week for Week 18 in the 2018 season. Of course, that was following his hat trick. And Adama Diamande on the 5th of July, because we're going to be putting out our next episode July 6th. So we got to get you all caught up for everything that happens to that date. July 5th. 2018, Adama Diamande named MLS Player of the Month for June 18th. He had seven goals in the month, including, of course, the first hat trick, which we talked about on the last podcast in LAFC history versus the Philadelphia Union. One last thing that we want to mention, it is 10 o'clock, about 10.15 now, as we are recording. We do want to mention that our U.S. men's team has moved into the final of the Gold Cup behind, of course, the defense of Walker Zimmerman and the veteran presence of Tyler Miller there on the bench. A couple (laughs) beautiful goals from Christian Pulisic and a yellow card, by the way, for Jamaica's Peter Lee Vassal taking out Christian Pulisic on a play late in the game. So it is setting up the showdown that everybody wanted to see. It'll be the United States against Mexico in the Gold Cup final. I believe that final is on the 7th of July, coming up sometime soon. I could be wrong about that date. You might have to double-check it, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Let's see. But again, a very, very momentous occasion for the United States. This is our 7th Gold Cup final in the last eight, and of course anchored by the defense of Walker Zimmerman. And that has been a little bit longer, but a little more fun this day in LAFC history. Let's not sleep on the fact that not only are the U.S. men in the final of the Gold Cup against Mexico, but our U.S. women's national team is in the final of the Women's World Cup against the Dutch. But you're going to hear more about that from Panda, Scarfette, and Sweet Home Amy when they record their podcast. They've got a couple of episodes coming up as well. Stay tuned for that. But that is on the international front. Let's get into what happened today. The match recap against the fighting failhoppers of Sporting Kansas City. Now, despite having lost our last match against the Rapids... We still have the honor and privilege scarf of saying we are the best in the West and And the the best best in the the MLS. MLS. We normally feast on the East and we normally best the West. Even though Colorado withstood that test. Colorado ended our unbeaten streak, but we're not going to talk too much about that because if you want to know more about that, check out our previous match recap, which is called Mile High Mishaps. It's on episode 38. Now, we presumed... The boys of the black and gold would come in with a chip on their shoulder after losing that match in Mile High City. We are still without some key players. Tyler Miller and Walker Zimmerman spent this evening on the opposite side of Peter Lee Vassal as the United States men's national team met Jamaica in the semifinals of the Gold Cup in Nashville. Scarf, have you ever been in Nashville? I have not been to Nashville yet. I can tell you that... It is one of the very few cities that are left on my bucket list in the United States. 
one of them being Austin, beautiful Austin, Texas. And of course, you and I will be heading there once they start playing some MLS games. Certainly Nashville, the home of country music and honky tonk, one of the great cities in our country. And I can't wait to go there. Although by the look of everything out there on the pitch tonight, it was warm out there. I mean, by about the third or fourth minute, these guys were sweating. I have not been to Nashville, but I am very much looking forward to going. It's a gem of a city. You said it. Great music, great food, great people, and soon enough, a great place for an away trip. As Nashville FC is set to join the MLS next season in 2020 and with a new stadium to follow during the 2022 season. Nashville also happens to be the bachelor and the bachelorette capital of the U.S., I've been in Nashville countless times for bachelor parties. Nashville is super cool. When you guys are there during those away games, make sure to check out Honky Tonk and Tootsie's. Tootsie's happens to be the CBGB of country music. You are hearing it from the mouth of Philly, who has crawled around the clean streets of Nashville. Hope y'all like country music. I sure do. Now... Our opponent for the evening, Sporting Kansas City, comes into this matchup in a standings reversal with Colorado. What I mean by that is Colorado's win versus us last week made them leapfrog above Sporting Kansas City. If you remember, last season, Sporting Kansas City was the regular season leader in the Western Conference and a team that we couldn't beat last season. They were upset by Portland on their journey to the MLS Cup Final, and regardless of what last year posed, it was Atlanta United's season to lose, and Atlanta United ended up winning that cup. So, this season, if you're not first, you're last. Shout out Ricky Bobby. Sporting Kansas City finished first last season, and now they are in last place, having managed 19 points in 17 games. This is a team with a record of 4, 6, and 7, with a goal differential of minus 2. In all fairness, in all fairness to Peter Vermees' club, they are really devastated by injuries this season. Shout out to Peter Vermees, by the way. This matchup against LAFC is his 400th sporting match in all competitions. Makes sense considering the fact that this is his 11th season at the helm. They haven't missed the playoffs since 2011, but they are most certainly in danger of ending the third longest active streak in the MLS. Out. They have Eric Hurtado, right knee injury. He's out two to three months. Out. Jalen Lindsay, torn meniscus, out four to five months. Out. Rodney Wallace, hip injury, out four to six months. Out. Roger Espinoza, knee injury, out two to three months. Questionable. Jimmy Mendrada, hamstring. Questionable. Johnny Russell, one of their leading scorers, hamstring. Questionable. Graham Zuzzi, abductor injury. Yowza. Out. Questionable. Bontund Barath, chest injury. Bless you. Whew, yeah, that's a mouthful. Now, they have been more successful in Children's Mercy Park in Kansas City than they have been on the road. Sporting Kansas City's last match, which was played on June the 29th, where they lost to real, if you listen to the last podcast, you know what I mean by this, real Salt Lake 2-0 in Rio Tinto Stadium. This is a match in which they had the advantage in ball possession and had more shots on goal, but they came up short where it counted, which is the actual score itself. Last season, SKC had the dubious distinction of being the only team to beat LAFC at the bank during the regular season. In fact, we also lost to them when we visited last season. 
That was a tightly played matchup towards the end of the regular season where had we been awarded those crucial points that late, it could have given us more of a chance at finishing on top of the table and clinching the ever-so-coveted first round bye, but it wasn't meant to be. And of course, history, you have to look at it because you want to learn from it, not repeat it, but that was last season. The first time these two teams met was at the bank on March the 3rd this season, and that was the 94th-minute thriller where Adama Diamande aggressively punched the ball in the back of the net, giving LAFC a hard-earned win against SKC. And that was also a game where we saw Diego Rossi score. Without a doubt, that was one of the most exciting matches any of us have ever witnessed at the bank. After the Simon game winner last season versus the Sounders, I'd have to say the second most exciting win that we've ever witnessed at the bank was that matchup. Two back-to-back final-minute season opening wins at Bankett's California Stadium is sure enough to get your blood boiling. Now, this storyline is pretty interesting, Scarf, if I must say. Oh, hi. I'm the Scarf. Yeah, you are the Scarf. We, lo- we love you, Scarf. I love that you guys, if you could peek behind the curtain a little bit. See, Philly writes out pretty much everything that you know he likes to say because we have a little bit of a different style. If you haven't met us, there's Philly and there's a Scarf. One's from the East Coast. He's a little more tightly wound. One's from the West Coast. He's a little too loose at times. And when we get on the podcast, those two things kind of come together really nicely. Philly wrote out an entire amazing intro to this show. And I'm looking at it going, wow, okay, cool. He's, he's, he's got it. He's still going. This is, this is kind of fun. So I've just kind of watched and sat back while while the Philly ruminates on all things sporting Kansas City right now. What you guys don't understand, this guy, he wears his heart on his sleeve as he writes all I'm this a stuff. Bad poker player. This this has been such a fun little thing for me to watch. I've been, you know, looking at the standings and you said, okay, they're last place out of 17 games. And I look and they're still last place out of 18 games. We'll talk about that in a second. And I look all the way at the top of the standings, you know, that's where we are and everything else. But it's also just fun to kind of watch Philly just go ham right now at the start of this episode. Look, I I know that you hopefully can hear the passion from Philly as he talks about all these different things as we go through the episode. But this guy right now, he is sweating bullets just by going after the first part of this episode. That is how much this man loves talking about the black and gold. And with that, I will let you get right back to what you were saying, sir. There should never, ever be a question about our passion for this team. And if there ever is, you are clearly not listening to this podcast. But that's besides the point. Let's get into the storyline, which I find interesting. Scarf, by the way, thank you for those comments. You're welcome. I am very passionate about this club and very passionate about our podcast. Very passionate about pretty much everything we do. It is beyond a hobby for us. And I'm sure you can agree with that. Yes. Yeah. Now, what makes the storyline pretty interesting is the fact that LAFC lines up against one of our former players, Benny Failhaber, who was on the Colorado Rapids earlier this season. He transferred over to SKC, then he went back on a jet, in order to be on a team that had more potential to win some hardware. Ha! Joke's on him. Both teams have been in a position where they've touched last place. You think Benny stood there with any type of envy scarf? Here's what I'm going to say. Benny left Colorado because he wanted to be on a team that had a better chance to win. And last time I checked, since Benny has gone to Sporting Kansas City, they have played 10 games since he has started in the midfield for them. And they have won exactly two 
of those 10 games. They have not taken away 10 points over their last 10 games, and it is an absolute joke what Sporting Kansas City has become. Look, there is a very simple reason why we call this episode Kansas City Barbecue, Barbecue. and that is because this team got smoked. Now, I don't think they played nearly as bad as the final scoreline indicated, 5-1. to one. I think we got a lot of good breaks, couple calls that weren't called that should have maybe gone Sporting Kansas City's way. I actually thought Sporting Kansas City played pretty well inside our own box. But look, at the end of the day, if you're going to give up five, you are going to lose almost every game you play. And a lot of that has to do with your midfield, being able to hold the ball, pass the ball, and defend the ball. And what a difference a game makes, Philly, where we have Eduardo Tuesta, Mark Anthony Kay, and Latif Blessing all starting again together in that middle of our field. Of course, this game, the return to Sporting Kansas City for Latif Blessing. There was a great piece by our friend of the podcast, Mark Rogandino, who did a whole good piece on Latif Blessing coming back to Sporting Kansas City after making his way over to LAFC. They showed his goal. They showed a lot of cool different highlights, especially while he was on the same pitch, by the way, as Benny Failhaber. It was kind of neat. Benny was there in the midfield. Latif was pushing the ball up the field. LAFC has benefited certainly from Latif Blessing being part of our team. We have certainly benefited from having Latif Blessing on the pitch. And let's not forget how we got Latif Blessing. Sporting Kansas City left him open in the expansion draft. Our expansion draft went as follows. Tyler Miller drafted number one. Latif Blessing drafted number two. Marco Ureña drafted number three. And Yuka Raitala and Raheem Edwards drafted four and five. Those two players, by the way, traded for Laurent Simon. So we were able to get Latif Blessing for absolutely nothing in the expansion draft. And you have to believe the way that he has filled up the midfield and the way that he has played throughout the course of his season and a half with LAFC, that Sporting Kansas City is kicking themselves right now. Again, two wins out of their last 10, and you have to imagine the game changer, the star man playing on the right, would have absolutely changed the fortunes of Sporting Kansas City. But we have him. Our star man is on the right. His name is Latif Blessing, and he's freaking dynamite. Now, let's get into the game. The players that we needed to keep an eye on as far as Sporting Kansas City are concerned, let's bring up the first man who scored against us at the bank early in the season, Christian Namath, who is tied with Johnny Russell and tied with Felipe Gutierrez. All three individuals have seven goals apiece. Now, LAFC still... Leads the league in scoring offense. Still leads the league in scoring defense. Shots per game. Fewer shots faced per game. And chances created per game. And get this. Yes. LAFC's minus 25 goal differential. That's 39 goals for. 14 goals against. Is 15 goals better than any other team in the MLS. Now we've already highlighted Sporting Kansas City's injury report. It is quite extensive. But let's get into LAFC's. 
Javi Perez, whom we wish very well. We saw the video of you training earlier. We wish you the best. He is going to be on the injured list for the remainder of the season. Danilo Silva, hamstring, he was questionable for this game. Alejandro Guido, right quad strain. And your boy, Loyola Marymount's favorite son, Adrian Perez with a right ankle sprain. Yeah, I'm beginning to wonder, by the way, if we are ever going to see Alejandro Guido, I think we're going to just change his name to Quillen Roberts because that was basically all of last season. We never saw Quillen Roberts. He had some sort of injury over the course of the entire season. I genuinely hope Alejandro Guido is okay. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, he's not making the league minimum. He's actually doing pretty well in terms of a paycheck. And if you haven't, by the way, checked out LAFC's salaries, Angels on Parade has published the salary information for all of our LAFC players. And it is, by the way, criminal what Tyler Miller is making and based on what he's done for us over the first year and a half for LAFC. But that being said, I'm beginning to wonder if Alejandro Guido is ever going to make an appearance on the pitch for LAFC. Again, look, the minimum salary for a player in the MLS is about $56,250, which is, is not a lot of money. Tyler Miller, by the way, only making $77,000. I say only because, look, for a professional athlete living in Los Angeles, $77,000, not a whole ton. Latif Blessing making $93,000. Obviously, a player who has made impact after impact. Alejandro Guido is making more than any of those players, $120,000 on the season, making more than Pablo Cisniega, more than Latif Blessing, more than Tyler Miller. WTF. More, right, more than Josh Perez, more than Tristan Blackman. I mean, there are a bunch of different players out there that aren't making nearly what Alejandro Guido is to sit there on the bench. So wondering if we will ever see Alejandro Guido. But that being said, Philly, LAFC lining up in their typical 4-3-3. And again, we talked about it. It was great to have the band back together there in the midfield. But behind them, Pablo Cisniega in goal. He has earned that moniker San Pablo. What an incredible game. And we will get into his fantastic effort yet again tonight. Jordan Harvey, Eddie Segura, Stephen Betashore, who looked fit and ready to go, and rounding out the back line was Tristan Blackman, who had a much, much, much better game than his last. In the midfield, of course, Kea Tuesta and Blessing, Diego Rossi, Carlos Vela, and for now, Christian Ramirez. There in the middle, we'll talk about the game that Christian Ramirez had, because I think, Philly, what you and I will both agree on is that this kid is as Jekyll and Hyde sure. as they come on our team We'll talk about the game that he had, but yeesh, why does it feel like no matter how he played tonight, and he played a great game, we were still left wanting more. In the 18, Dejan Djakovic, Adama Diamande, name that Perez, that is Josh Perez. In the 18, Lee Wynn, Fito Zelaya, Mohamed El Munir, and our friend of the podcast, backup goalie, Philip. Edgemadu. What about the 4-3-3, the identical formation that Sporting Kansas City put out? So... 4-3-3, like you said, their goalkeeper, Melia, Bessler, Fontas, Sinovich, Hassler, Ilya, Thalhaber, Gutierrez, Namath, Shalloui, and Gerson. 
And I, I'm looking at this list right now, and I'm kind of wondering which one of these players didn't have a yellow card because this was a very, very chippy game, and it really started 30 seconds into the match. Yep. Welcome back to Sporting Kansas City. Ooh, Latif ooh, Blessing, ooh. he got tripped by Gutierrez right as the ball got kicked off. I get to use the phrase that you used last podcast. We talked about this while we were at the Stalking Horse, one of the official watch parties for LAFC with our friend at Alex for sale. He is one of the nicest guys you will oh, you meet mean in the organization. Yes, the doppelganger for Javi Perez. Latif Blessing got a little bit of a how's your father coming yeah. back from Sporting Kansas City. He had been back home for about 30 seconds when he was taken out for the first foul of the game. It honestly, he made it seem like a sniper had shot him there from the top row of the stadium down on the ground doing his best Neymar impersonation. But somehow he was able to summon the courage to get back up and play the remaining 89 minutes and 30 seconds plus stoppage time. So again, welcome back Latif Blessing, the Sporting Kansas City, a foul in the first 30 minutes. Yeah, and Latif played with a lot of heart, as he always does. I mean, we could go through the first 10 minutes of the game. There was an awful lot of defensive efforts that came, and I got to say, Shout out to our defensive back line. I mean, Beta came through on a number of occasions. Harvey, within the first 11 minutes of the game, was solid within his play. Tristan Blackman was solid. I mean, we fast forward. 12th minute, Latif Blessing connects with Rossi on what turned out to be an offside. We actually had quite a few offsides in this game. And you're going to be quite shocked once we read the final stat line. But nothing really, really happened until the 28th minute of the game. Yeah, you know, right before that, though, I do want to point out, you could see from the very start of this game, from the outset, what it was like having Mark Anthony Kay and Eduardo Tuesta back there in the midfield in the 14th minute. Look, if you're going to go look at highlights and rewatch this game on YouTube TV, because one of the great things about if you subscribe to YouTube TV, you can actually play back and rewatch all of these games. Do no me a favor. Way. Go to the 14th minute and watch the beautiful, long back heel pass from Eduardo Tuesta to Diego Rossi, which actually led to a yellow card from Sporting Kansas City. It was a beautiful back heel, and it's one of those plays that just makes you salivate at what this kid's potential is. Eduardo Tuesta, one of the youngest under 22 top 22 players in the MLS according to the league last year this kid is special I am just praying that nobody from the EPL from the Bundesliga from Serie A from any of the other major leagues out there I'm praying that they were not watching Eduardo Tuesta in this game. I am so worried that he is going to get poached from us at some point during his tenure because he is not good. He is that good. But Philly, you talked about it. Coming through on the set piece, the most polarizing figure on the LAFC roster, number 21, Christian Ramirez. Carlos Vela could have certainly taken that free kick, but what a cheeky effort, I believe they would say, if they were talking about English football out there. What a cheeky effort by Christian Ramirez going under the wall to the right of goalie Tim Melia, who, by the way, led the league last season in saves. This is one of the better goalkeepers in the MLS, 
What an effort by Christian Ramirez, number 21, able to put it home. I mean, thank the Lord. It was getting to a point where it was ridiculous trying to defend him over and over again. And I know there's going to be some people that are going to say they still aren't convinced. And, And look, I get that. As the game progresses, there's plenty of arguments against it. But he did start out the effort. He did open up the scoring sheet. He did end up getting an assist, which we're going to talk about later on. But it was a fabulous shot. And yes, you got to credit Carlos Vela with that in a non-evident assist because of the fact that, well, he could have taken it himself. But they had enough faith in Christian Ramirez thinking that this kid was up and he was due for a goal. And thankfully, he scored that goal. To piggyback off what you were saying earlier. Yes. Atuesta, fantastic player. We're going to have to call a witch doctor to basically protect him from all the vultures that are probably going to be perching above (laughs) Bank of California Stadium because this kid is that good. But look... Benny Failhaber, as much as we loved him, he played the most amount of games for LAFC last season. Had he still been here, we might have not seen the emergence of Atuesta or Mark Anthony K. So quite honestly, it was a blessing, no pun intended, ha. in disguise for him to end up going to Colorado, end up going to Sporting Kansas City because it helped some younger players get pushed forward. But anyway, yes, 28th minute, Christian Ramirez silences the Boo Birds. And it was absolutely phenomenal. Fast forward, four minutes later, Latif Blessing had somewhat of an attempt. It was a rocket that deflected off of Ilya. That would have been a very, very nice shot. This was a very chippy game. Once we read the fouls to you, I'm telling you, it seems like everybody, including Peter Vermees, might as well have been awarded a yellow card because it was that chippy. Now, here's a fun fact for you. Fun facts with Philly. 38th minute, Benny Failhaber sets up for a free kick. Now you're thinking poetic justice. Benny Failhaber, who was an LAFC midfielder, a player who had played more games than anybody else with a free kick, he could have tied the game, but his free kick went the same direction that the New York Mets' playoff season is going to go. And you know where that is, Scarf? Uh, Straight down. Nowhere, absolutely nowhere. The set pieces that Sporting Kansas City had, absolutely abysmal the entire match. Uh, I would like to point out one thing and a bit of irony today. You guys know that Philly and I are both diehard Mets fans. I I don't mean to bury the lead because if, if you didn't watch the game today, then you might not know the score of the LAFC game. I'm gonna actually preview the final score of the game. The New York Metropolitans lost to the New York Yankees today. Five to one. Well, they won yesterday, four in, to two. In an ironic bit of coincidence, your LAFC black and gold won today, five to one. So one of our teams today, Philly, lost five to one. The other one won five to one. I don't know. Maybe the New York Mets should start a football team. There's a few teams that I root for that are blue and orange. One of them happens to be the New York Mets. Syracuse. Another one happens to be the New York Islanders. Boise State. Another one happens to be the New York Knickerbockers, and I will not get into this conversation because my blood will start to boil. Let's go, Lakers. I mean, I don't have a problem with the Lakers. I mean, good for them. I'm a Knickerbocker fan. I have not had anything to root for since the mid-'90s, but this is not an NBA podcast. Let's talk about the return of the Christian Ramirez in the 39th-minute scarf. When you say the return of the Christian Ramirez, are we talking about 
that same Christian Ramirez who somehow, and look, shout out to our boy Mark Rogandino. Here's what he said. Here's what he said at halftime. He said about this play that you are referencing in the 39th minute. It would have been easier to finish that than to put it over the bar. And this is somebody, by the way, who bleeds black and gold. Mark Rogandino, he hosts, he does radio, he does TV, he does sideline reporting, he does play-by-play, he does personal appearances. There's nothing that this man won't do for the black and gold. He bleeds black and gold, but he absolutely called it like he saw it when he said at halftime. It was easier for Christian Ramirez to finish that ball than it would be to put it over the crossbar. In the 39th minute, what a pass for Christian Ramirez. If you go back and you look through his highlights or lowlights, whatever you want to call them, during the season, he would have just about as many goals as Diego Rossi this year if he would somehow find a way to put it in the back of the net. Let's, though, flash forward to the 40 first minute and he has earned the moniker of San Pablo what a beautiful save by Pablo Cisniega followed up by a great effort by Steven Betashore beta blocker shout out to the LAFC Armada boys they coined that phrase beta blocker that's right now we are actually going to debut something on our Instagram later in the week and it is going to be called the wind pie and we'll talk about what a wind pie is in just a second at when we discuss what happened in the second half but here's the deal I feel and I know Philly you and I were watching the same game and we feel relatively the same way about this you could have picked out a play by each one of our four defenders today that absolutely led to saving a goal or clearing a ball that would have led to a lot of pressure had they not done that. And in the 43rd minute, it was Steven Betashore coming back into the play. That's when I knew. It was the 43rd minute when I knew that Steven Betashore's hamstring was at least healthy enough for him to do all the things that he had been doing before he got hurt. It was a 1v1 ball. Betashore was able to track back, make a great play on it, and that leads us to halftime. It was a very good first half. In fact, a very exciting matchup. We welcome Christian Ramirez back in more ways than one. My hat's off to you. You scored a goal. The the 39th minute, I feel like Rogo's comments about it being harder to miss than to score. I feel like I've repeated that. But regardless, he scored a goal, and we got to tip our hats off to him. That was his fourth goal of the season, which puts him ahead of Adama Diamande. Yes, I get it. He's played more games than Dio, but hey, that still puts him up, and he's still rising in the scoring category, which is exactly what we want out of him as a striker. Yeah, you know, Philly, I definitely thought, though, despite the score sheet being one nothing and the fact that we looked pretty dominant, I think you and I both felt possession dominated, absolutely dominated. I believe it was either 65-35 or 64-36 by Sporting Kansas City. They absolutely dominated possession. I felt like Sporting Kansas City played better inside the box, maybe not box-to-box, but once they got the ball in our attacking half of the field, they definitely played better inside the box, I just felt like Sporting Kansas City was playing a good game. But like you mentioned, they don't have Johnny Football right now, Johnny Russell. 
They don't have Graham Zusi, a longtime member of the U.S. national team. Grow they back are missing a lot of bullets in their gun that they can fire at any of these teams here in the MLS. And frankly, it showed the quality out there on the pitch of finishing did not match the quality of play there for Sporting Kansas City. And I personally felt like we were lucky to get out of the first half one nothing. That leads us to a beautiful start, Philly, to the second half in the 50th minute. Oh, yeah. Diego Rossi, a screamer of a goal, which was assisted by Christian Ramirez. It was a hell of a goal. We could tab this up as our wait what moment, but we're sitting in there at the Stalking Horse Tavern. We were singing 3252, if you are hearing this, bring back the Diego Rossi chant at the 11th minute. I know there are a lot of fans of it. We got that whole bar singing Diego Rossi. He scored the first goal against Against the Sounders. Sounders. It was great. You got loud and you said, you know what? We're doing it. That's why I'm hoarse right right now, dude. We're going to start it. This is... One of several cheers that Philly has started throughout the season. And one thing that I want to say, if you listen to our last podcast, I was begging, I was imploring, I was wishing, I was wanting, I was hoping that Diego Rossi would stop putting so much finesse on the ball and just put it in the back of the net. And that is absolutely what we saw. Diego, thank you for listening to our podcast and for heeding the words of Scarf Stradamus, because I <laughs> knew that the next game you would say, you know what, Scarf, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to show you why I'm not just one of the most skilled young players in the MLS. I'm one of the most skilled players, period, in the MLS. Diego Rossi putting it home in the 50th minute. What a goal. Then we flash forward to the 57th. Look, Mark Anthony K has been our enforcer for all kinds of things, and I think we hurt by not having him out on the pitch for the last couple of games. Unfortunately, Team Canada not playing nearly as well in the Open Cup. I was actually excited to watch Canada due to Alfonso Davies, who Philly is currently playing in the Bundesliga right now for Bayern Munich. That is right. I was excited to watch Alfonso Davies, but I've got to be honest, I was kind of rooting for them to get knocked out as soon as possible. Once I saw that Davies was doing a whole lot of nothing, it was Mark Anthony Kay and several of the other players there having to shoulder the load for Team Canada. He came back and he earned, I mean like earned, no easy buckets, hard foul on a layup, earned that yellow card there in the 57th minute. And it was in a bad spot. We're talking just outside the penalty area just outside the box and Mark Anthony K look it was a it was a bad one there but just as bad Philly was the foul by the former member of the black and gold Benny Failhaber in the 59th I thought you would appreciate it more than anything now granted look he's still two or three or four inches taller than Latif Blessing but I believe in the MMA world that's called an arm bar takedown that Benny Failhaber did there on Latif oh it was a chicken wing to say the least. Shout out to Bob Backlund. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's Bob right. Backlund? That's really? Right. Going to the, the Wayback Machine. The guy who lost the title to the Iron Sheik who ended up losing to Hulk Hogan. The which... cross-faced chicken wing was his finisher, my friend. God, when they brought him back, it was a flipping joke. <laughs> but regardless, for shame, Benny, for picking on poor little Latif, you took him down. Latif gets... We've said this before on many shows. <laughs> Latif gets beat 
up. If there's anybody that needs any kind of human growth hormone or testosterone or needs to start building up a physique like the ultimate warrior, it's Latif Blessing because nobody, other than maybe Carlos Vela, gets beat up more than Latif Blessing. By the way, shout out to Carlos Vela's headband on Twitter. It's pretty fantastic. I mean, that should have its own Instagram. Oh, wait, it It actually does. That's right. Now, let's forward. You were talking about the left foot of God himself. Wow. He ends up scoring his 17th goal of the season. 63rd minute, assisted by Diego Rossi. Carlos Vela, in a situation where you're thinking, man, you have a right-footed shot. But he went to old, reliable, left foot shot from the center of the box to the bottom left corner. Carlos Vela scores his 17th goal of the season. And just like that, we add a plus one to our goal differential against the dreaded Sporting Kansas City. We go up 3-0. to nil. Carlos Vela, 17th goal of the season, making his presence felt, making that argument felt for being the golden boot leader and the MLS MVP. Look, no denying Carlos Vela is the best player in the league right now, but he had no space to get that shot off. What a great camera angle, by the way, provided by the team that was doing the broadcast at YouTube TV. We are talking about the width of a soccer ball and not much more there by Carlos Vela. Look, also, roll back two minutes earlier. It was a miracle that Eddie Segura did not get called for a foul inside the box there. I mean, Eddie Segura absolutely shoulder-checked that player from Sporting Kansas City. Apparently, the referees missed it. We will take it. And, of course, that leads to the 64th-minute goal, or 63rd-minute goal, I should say, by Carlos Vela, the left foot of God. It was announced, by the way, that Carlos Vela will be participating in the first-ever MLS skills competition at the All-Star Game. No doubt he was showcasing some of those skills that we might see at the game. Flash forward one minute later. Lee Wynn coming in for Eduardo Atuesta. It seems like Atuesta is still getting into fitness and into shape to run a full 90. He was absolutely fantastic in the 65 minutes that he played. And then Philly, let's flash forward. Inside now the 70th and 71st minute. I mean, this kid, Pablo Cisniega, he is doing work there on the back line. Look, I thought that Croize, I believe that's the way that we pronounce his name for Sporting Kansas City. Let's call him Croissant for the sure, sake of argument. Sure, why not? I felt like he was the best player on the pitch for Sporting Kansas City. Absolutely. Once he subbed in at about the 60th minute. Totally changed the flow of the game. But, oh my goodness, Pablo Cisniega in the 70th and 71st minutes. The first save was on you like to call him croissant. I'll try croise or quasi. And or then croissant. And then a point blank save on the next ball in. And of course, a little bit of help from Mark Anthony K on the rebound. We're going to do a post about this on our Instagram. But if you listen to the episode, what we want to see in your comments after we put it up that we've got this episode up, we want to hear your arguments for Pablo 
versus Tyler Miller the rest of the way through. Now, Philly, I know we've still got about 30 more minutes of match action to recap, but you and I were talking about this, and we came up with one talking point that I think both you and I agree with 100%, and that is the Open Cup, no matter what happens from here on out. And, of course, we have Portland on the 10th at home at Bank of California Stadium for the quarterfinals of the Open Cup. We need to win three more games to hoist our first ever trophy in team history. Philly, you and I both believe that should be Pablo Cisniega's to lose. He should carry us through our fate in the Open Cup. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the kid's been dynamite. I mean, he had, we're going to talk about this later on in the game, but he had a fabulous save during a, during a free kick. And we were talking about this on the way to this pub that I probably caught tuberculosis from. I'm not going to name the pub in case any of y'all have been there, but it was one of the dirtiest places Scarf has ever taken me to. But what I'll say is this, Cisniega has been an absolutely fantastic Keeper, there is no doubt about it. He deserves to play in that July 10th game against Portland Timbers. He should close us out. He's been fantastic. San Pablo, San Cisniega, whatever you want to call him, the Real Sociedad wall, it doesn't matter. He has been an absolutely phenomenal keeper. And look, Tyler Miller has played an awful lot for us. Don't want to take anything from him. He hasn't gotten the burn for the U.S. men's national team. He is in a situation where there's heavy competition. Zach Steffen, without a doubt, in my opinion, watching these Gold Cup games, is the U.S. men's national team's number one. No doubt about it. But he gets to play against top talent, and he's only going to get better. We cannot use Cisniega's couple of games as a track record as to why he would beat out Tyler Miller. It is his position to lose. But that being said, Cisniega was absolutely phenomenal. In the 71st minute, he had another miraculous save. Mark Anthony Kay ended up kicking the ball out. He was playing as if he was a man possessed that absolutely wanted a clean sheet. And you know what? He, he, he really did deserve it. Side note, four minutes later, Christian Ramirez Oof. had a shot that, wow, was saved by Sporting Kansas City. And I, I, the, only thing, the only thing I could think of in my mind is, ah, at that point, he had an assist. At that point, he had a goal. We have to breathe. But he was on pace to have a hat-trick. He very well could have had a hat-trick with the number of amazing opportunities that he had. But, but, but... But two minutes later, Scarfy. Yes. The 77th minute. Yep. The birthday boy, Rodolfo Fito Zelaya, subs in for Christian Ramirez. And what a birthday it was for good old Fito, wouldn't you say? Oh, my goodness. We'll get to it in just a minute. The kind of birthday celebration that the black and gold chose to put on for Fito Zelaya. But look, I said it while we were at Stalking Horse, and the guys who were sitting right behind us can attest to this. So shout out to those guys right behind us. I said, oh, no, Fito's going to come in. He's going to score. And a lot of people are going to forget about the goal and the assist that you just mentioned that Christian Ramirez, number 21, had. We will get to that in just a moment. Look, I don't think it was a bad call to award the penalty kick there to Daniel Shallowy for sporting Kansas City. 
But you just mentioned it, though, Philly. It's going to be harder and harder, and the discussion is going to be more animated if our man, Pablo Cisniega, keeps doing what he is doing on that back line. A beautiful save on the penalty shot on Daniel Shalloui by San Pablo, San Cisniega, San whatever you want to call the guy. Sinister Cisniega. But right after that, by the way, Tristan Blackman with an incredible play on the back line. Look, this is what I was talking about. We can point to two or three plays that Jordan Harvey made, especially in the first half of the game, that absolutely kept them off the score sheet. We can point to plays that Steven Betashore made. We can certainly point to plays that Eddie Segura made, but none was more important to keeping a team off the scoring sheet than that last play by Tristan Blackman being in the right place at the right time. A beautiful save, but unfortunately, your boy that you like to call Croissant Quasé with the goal in the 85th minute spoiling that deserved clean sheet that Pablo Cisniega was holding. I thought that Pablo actually could have been a little more aggressive on that ball, come out off his line a little bit more, and Tristan kind of got beat a little out of position there off to the side on that ball by Quaze. But you know what? We're up 3-1, and all of a sudden, look, in honor of the 4th of July, I might not like him, but they were happening whether I wanted to or not, Philly. Fireworks began in the 87th minute. A little give and go, a little go and give between Fito and Carlos Vela. Nothing came of it that time. But after that, in the 90th minute, you guys know what I like to call it. It is the Fito Zelaya experience, Philly. Oh my goodness, he's on the board. He scored a goal and... While we were looking at it, we were saying to ourselves, it's got to be offside. He was far more offside than the England goal against the U.S. women's national team, which could have equalized it, was. But you know what? It doesn't really matter. Fito, on his birthday, happy birthday. Carlos Vela with a classy assist to Fito (laughs) Zelaya. (laughs) See, that's where you and I disagree. I think Carlos Vela only made the assist because he had a rough first touch on the ball and it got a little farther away from him than he would have liked. But yes, we can go ahead, Philly, and say that it was a birthday present. We could also argue the fact that, you know what, he hates Diego Valeri and he decided to go one assist above him. He had a 17th goal to continue on his golden boot run. Why not take the lead and assist as well? (laughs) Which he absolutely did with his 11th assist to Fito Zelaya, but Stalking Horse, the pub we were at, the boys that are Armana, that were the table across from me, you, the Panda, and Scarfet. Yeah. Everybody went nuts. It was absolutely fantastic to see Fito score. And we actually gave him a birthday chant in the Stalking Horse pub. Yeah, it was an incredible scene. I was really happy for Fito. Look, what I think made it even better is the assist came for Carlos Vela. Whether or not we want to say that it was a bad first touch or it was planned all along, they were both in their lanes making great runs. Carlos Vela, the beautiful pass to Fito inside the box. And just a couple of minutes later, yeah, I actually want to shout out somebody on Instagram who made a fantastic moniker there for Mohammed El Munir. Shout out to at Jay Keatley, K-E-A-T-L-E-Y. Shout out to Jay Keatley. They called him Mohamed Maradona, which I absolutely loved. A beautiful move, a little head fake, a little stutter step, and Mohamed El Munir burying it for us to go up five to one. 
Let me ask you a question, Scarf. I know you were slightly bitter about this. Yes. But who did we give up for Mohamed El Manir? Look, I love Joao Moutinho. I appreciate the fact that he is a young player, that he's got a lot going for him in the future. I was a little bitter that we gave up Joao Moutinho for Mohamed El Manir. But you know what the difference between Joao Moutinho and Mohamed El Manir is? Can I take a wild guess? Take a wild guess. Mohamed El Manir has a goal this season. And Joao Moutinho does not. You are absolutely correct. Mohamed Elmanir, one goal. Joao Moutinho, despite having started 11 games for Orlando City, he has none. And you know what? That's the final scoring line. LAFC, five. Sporting Kansas City, one. Like I said, we are calling this episode Kansas City Barbecue. By the way, if you happen to be in San Diego... You have to check the spot out called Kansas City Barbecue. You want to know why, Scarf? Why is that? Because it is where they filmed the movie Top Gun. The scene where Goose is on the piano and he's playing great balls of fire. Yeah, that place exists. That piano is there. It is not too far from the train station in which the Pacific Surfliner, which is run by Amtrak, goes through. Check out Kansas City Barbecue. From what I hear through the rumor mill, through connections that I know of, Kansas City Barbecue is going to be featured in Top Gun 2 as well. But that's besides the point. Look, we're also going to debut one more thing. I talked about it earlier in the podcast. We are going to debut something called a win pie. Now, look, uh, shout out to Mason in Ireland on ESPN 710. They have something called the blame pie, and they talk about this quite a bit. And it usually has to do with what happens negatively and who's responsible for the blame. For example, they did one about the Lakers collapse earlier this season and who deserves most of the blame. Is it on the coach? Is it on LeBron? Is it on Jeannie Buss? Is it on, I don't know, anybody else that they can think of? Blame it on the Knicks. (laughs) There you go. But I have to say, I was inspired, and I mean this wholeheartedly. I was inspired by watching this game to come up with something called the win pie. And I will say this. Every time that LAFC wins a game, we are going to post, after much discussion and consternation, what we feel our win pie is for each game. And what that means is this. We are going to assign a percentage to individual players on LAFC. We're going to assign that percentage of how responsible they were for the win When we win a game for LAFC, for example, we could say that Pablo Cisniega, he might get 25% of the credit for this win with the great couple of saves we had. We might say that Tristan Blackman, because he was standing on the back line, made a great save, kept him off the score sheet. Maybe he gets 10%. But what Philly and I are going to do after this episode, we are going to post on the 4th of July... We are going to post our win pie, who we think and how much we think those players are responsible for the win. And I can tell you it's going to be fun because you'll get to see Phillies. You'll get to see the Scarves. And I would love to see what our listeners, what our fans at Defenders of the Bank think, who was most responsible for the win, who was only partially responsible for the win. This will be called the win pie. Who is responsible for the 5-1 victory at Sporting Kansas City. But Philly, let's go through the final stat line to see how we did as we stacked up against Sporting KC. 
Despite the fact that we ended up winning 5-1, to one, Sporting Kansas City absolutely dominated us as far as possession. I don't think we've been dominated as badly as we've been dominated this game in terms of ball possession. Sporting Kansas City, 62% to LAFC's. 38. Fouls, a cheeky affair. Sporting Kansas City, 13. LAFC's? We win, 14. Yellow cards, I'm telling you, like everybody in the freaking SKC lineup had it. They had five, LAFC had. We still earned three yellow cards. Eight total yellow cards in the match there, Philly. Offsides, this is an interesting statistic. Sporting Kansas City, one. LAFC? Eight, and I've got a theory on that real quick while we're going through it. You mentioned the giant possession disparity and the giant offside disparity going the opposite way. You wouldn't think that a team that only held the ball 38% of the time would win in the offsides category 8-1. to But here's why I think we won. We have better midfielders. We push the ball up the pitch more often and with better quality than a team like Sporting Kansas City. So we only needed 38% of the time to be able to push the ball up farther and farther on the pitch and win the offsides battle 8 to one. What about saves there, Philly? Cisniega five. Sporting Kansas City? Just two. Shots on goal. 21 with seven on target for Sporting Kansas City. LAFC with? Just 11 shots on the day. But of those 11, solid percentage, boys. Seven of those shots making it on target. Five finding the back of the net. And that is is the final recap versus Sporting Kansas City. Now, we have a very, very quick turnaround. Today, looking at my clock, it's still July the 3rd. You are all going to hear this July the 4th. Happy Independence Day. We return to Bank of California Stadium in which we play the Vancouver Whitecaps where we hope to avenge that loss we had at BC Place earlier this year. But one thing that we wanted to make note of is what we are doing at Defenders of the Bank for the tailgate at Christmas Tree Lane. Scarfy, tell our listeners out there what it is that we are doing. Look, I am very excited to announce another tailgate partnered with our fantastic sponsor, Riley's Brewing. You guys all found the magic in our $5 magic cups that we were selling At our last major tailgate we did, well, the great part is we found some more magic cups inside of our stash. We can't wait to have as many of you out there as possible enjoying the fantastic Riley's Honey Blonde Ale. And this is a weird way of promoting ourselves, but I want to make sure that we don't want anybody coming to our Defenders of the Bank tent, which we will have set up starting at 10 a.m., going through at least 4, if not 5 o'clock. We don't want anybody coming over to the official Defenders of the Bank tailgate before they have gone and donated to the 3252-sponsored Community Service Drive tailgate, July 6th, 10 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. at Christmas Tree Lane, benefiting two incredible charitable organizations k-town for all and ant flow that's f period l period o period k-town for all and ant flow here's what they need defenders they need socks they need new unused philly unused unused men's and women's underwear 
and they need feminine hygiene products. Please, before you come out and get your $5 magic cup to be filled with as much Riley's Honey Blonde Ale, that same Defender's Honey Blonde Ale that was in the bottles earlier in the season, before you come over to our tailgate, please, 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 we beg you, we implore you, we encourage you, we hope that you head over to the 3252's Community Service Drive tailgate for K-Town for All and Ant Flow. Again, it's socks, new unused men's and women's underwear, and feminine hygiene products. It is part of July and the fantastic month of giving that LAFC is partnering with several great charitable organizations. Please head over and donate to the Community Service Drive tailgate before coming over. That being said, Philly, after they do that, they're going to come over and get a fantastic red cup. What's going to be in the red cup again? Honey, blonde, ale, and quite possibly a lot of other really, really tasty Riley's treats. But that's not going to be all. To the right of our tent, to the left of us, depending on what angle you're looking at, our buddy Jerry Reynoso will be serving y'all tacos for a price that he will declare at the time of the event. I am assuming it's going to be five bucks. We have yet to confirm that, but I'm assuming it's going to be five bucks. He is a fantastic cook. He's got a catering business. It's going to be a lot of good food that we haven't had at this point. Check out us Come through to get some of that Riley's beer. Hang out, go next door to get some amazing food from Jerry Reynoso's tent, which will be right next to us at Defenders of the Bank. But we're going to be having a lot of really cool items on sale. We're going to be having and promoting the Panda Pin. We're going to be having the Pride Pin. We're going to be having the regular old school OG Defenders of the Bank Pin. And we will be debuting our Fourth of July, Stars and Stripes, Red, White, and Blue, Defenders of the Bank pin that our beloved scarf has created for all of y'all. We're going to have plenty of them. Make sure you come through the tent and, and take a look. Hang out with Philly, the scarf, Panda, Scarfette, Sweet Home Amy, our photographer, Ace, Adrian Acevedo, and make sure you stick around for some tacos We can't wait to finally get back on Christmas Tree Lane where we belong right before a home match. We love our black and gold. We can't wait to see all y'all on Saturday. The other thing that we want to say is this. The tacos actually have nothing to do with defenders of the bank. What we are so happy to do, look, this is a family here on the LAFC podcast family. All of our friends at Heart of LAFC, at Shoulder to Shoulder, at FCFC, at Beer Showers FC, at Are We LAFC, and especially for this particular tailgate at the Los Angeles Saga podcast. We are all a family. Yes, even those run by Walker Zimmerman, Stephen Betashore, all the different great podcasts that we have, even the ones run by Walker Zimmerman, Jordan Harvey, and Stephen Betashore, Max Bredos, at Vince LaRosa, LAFC Vince. Oh my goodness. 
We have such a great podcast family. And again, our newest one that we want to start promoting on the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Check out our friend at The Real Rogo, Mark Rogandino. He's got a podcast called LAFC versus the Galaxy with Dan Kennedy, former MLS goalkeeper. Look, we've got a lot of great podcasts and a lot of family members here on the podcast family, but we want to help out Jerry Reynoso. Jerry is pushing just like we did when we started out, just like a lot of other podcast families have started out. So when you go and buy a plate of tacos from Jerry right next door to us, and I believe it's actually Jerry's dad that's going to be making a lot of the tacos and everything else that we've got, that has nothing to do. The money that you spend there has nothing to do with the defenders of the bank. It is actually to help out the Los Angeles Saga podcast get better equipment so that they can sound a little better and that they can prepare a little better. We want nothing but for all of our podcast family to be better and better and better each day and anything we can do to help. Mark Rogandino said it best while we were interviewing him today. A rising tide raises all boats. I think that's what he said. This might be an awful paraphrasing of what he said. But you better we, start believing ghost stories, <laughs> Mr. Scarf. You're in one. <laughs> we want to help out all of our members of the LAFC podcast family, just like we would want them to help us if there was something that we needed. So please come out and buy some tacos and help the Los Angeles Saga podcast get some better equipment or some different equipment for the course of the rest of this season. They want to be able to provide you an even better product than the good one that they already produce now. So please come on out and check out the Los Angeles Saga podcast, Jerry Reynoso and their dad selling tacos right next to us at our official tailgate. And again, at Defenders of the Bank on Facebook and Instagram, on Twitter, at Defend the Bank if you want to check out the newest pin and all of the other great things that we've got, not just for sale there, but on our Instagram page. Don't forget to follow the legendary Christian Philly Philemon at Philemonster35. The swashbuckling sensei of the sanitary shoey. Yeah. That's right. He was practicing safe shoeys today while we were at the stalking horse. The glass was still in the shoe. I was wearing a suit today. But it was very much still a shoe he had after the goal there by Carlos Vela. Shout out to El Catrine and shout out to Monty. But honestly, we want to have a great time at our tailgate. We'll have the pins available. We've got a couple of scarves available. Not too many of those left. And we're just really excited to be able to do it. And Philly, I know you're looking forward to the tailgate as well. 100%. It's Wednesday. Going into Thursday. We're going to see fireworks. The only fireworks I care to see is us absolutely setting the Vancouver Whitecaps on fire. But that being the case, that is another episode for another day. We have already taken up enough of your time. If you stuck with us this long, we certainly appreciate it. Happy 4th of July. From Philly and The Scarf, we are going to be spewing out several episodes because we've got an awful lot of games for the duration of July and the duration of this season. We're going to be spitting them out as quickly as we can. We absolutely appreciate your time, your support. We've got a lot of great interviews. We've got a lot of amazing stories of the stadium with a lot of incredible guests. We have been blessed this season because we have such a great audience, such a great viewership we certainly appreciate it but happy fourth of july from philly and the scarf 
We will be seeing you all again on Saturday at Christmas Tree Lane. And Scarf, let's end this episode the same way we do every single other episode. All, at this point, 40 of them. Unbelievable. We are officially in midlife crisis stage. We have 40 podcasts. You guys know how we like to end them. Bye-bye.